Happy Mother's Day. It's a, it's a good day for, I guess, for mothers. But I, I think we need to be sensitive. It's, it's, a, it's a painful day, too, for some. And so we want to honor uh, This is my first Mother's Day without a mom. And I never, never thought about it like this. But it's just a little different. And I always heard, oh, you know, some people have pain on Mother's Day. And I thought... Yeah, they should suck it up. I really didn't think that, but but I think that about me. I think suck it up. You're a great mom. But it's Mother's Day. It's not about me. It's about mothers. It's about ladies, women, and we want to honor you today. So happy Mother's Day. If you are a woman here today, we want to say thank you for being a woman. We would not be here without you. <laughs> um, we want to honor you. We want to give you chocolate when you leave. So you, uh, if you're a woman, you get chocolate. Uh, if you'd like to share it with some of us, that'd be fine. But you don't have to. So happy Mother's Day. Um, <clears throat> we, uh, we recognize, I recognize that... It takes way more than just a mom. Some of you are are aunts, some of you are grandmas, some of you are siblings, and you have done an amazing amount of work putting time, energy, effort, resources into many of us. And uh, today's the day we say thank you. Unfortunately, there's 364 other days when we say give me and I need and I want and you owe me, but today... What do they say? Uh, today is Mother's Day, and all the other days are Kid Day and Dad Days, or, some, or meant, uh, something like that. And so it is unfair. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Today we want to talk about having a plan uh, because we're fighting, and we're in a series about fighting. And today we're going to talk about fighting for the next generation, uh, children, fighting for. The next generation. There's a, a verse in Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 is known as the, the uh, virtuous woman chapter in the Bible, and it goes through a whole litany of, of things that, that a godly woman would look like, would do. And so Proverbs 31, verse 25, it says this. It says, she clothes, she, she is clothed, the godly woman is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. So so what, what this verse says, she's clothed, clothed with strength and dignity, which are two virtues, two character qualities of a godly woman. Um, she is not amazing on her own. She is clothed with these things. But the second part is amazing that she laughs at the days to come. When she looks in the future, the next season of life, the next challenge, she is very confident in running towards the future. In fact, she says... I have a plan. 
I am not surprised. I am not perplexed. I have a plan. And today, I want to give us five strategies in the fight for the next generation. Because apparently, the godly woman in Proverbs 31 says that, I have a plan. I am not going to be caught off guard. When the, when the challenges come, when the battles rage, the godly woman laughs and says, no, I got that. God is my helper, no question. I've got that. So, so how do they do that? Well, let's dive right in. Five strategies. First of all, uh, use the army God has given you. See, moms are, are not in a battle alone for the next generation. You're, you are not alone. In, in fact, there's, there is an army of support in this room. Uh, there, it is amazing how God designed the church, the body of Christ, believers. He designed us to not be lone rangers. He designed the body of Christ to be a support system. God has, <clears throat> has provided an army of people around you as you battle for the next generation. And, and that may look very different for many of you, but, but just so you know, in the basement right now, there are over a dozen men and women who love Jesus very much who are teaching our children about Jesus. It's part of the support system that, that, that we have here at Bridgewater right below us, and sometimes I hear them a little bit, and I think, I hope it's not mine. Um, but, but it probably is. Um, but that's part of the support system. We, God has provided an army for us to be right alongside us, to support us and help us. Because, because children who love Jesus do not come by default. It takes a lot of time, energy, effort, resources, and, and a lot more than I can put in on my own, than you could put in on your own. And so God has provided an army of support. And, and by the way, if you have not met Tina Curley in the basement or thanked her recently, we need to all do that because she has put together a team down there, a team of godly people who love our children and really want them to know about Jesus. It's just part of the support system that God has provided. In, in Galatians two, uh, 6, verse 2, Paul writes this. He writes, uh, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, and he, he says to them, one of your roles is to carry each other's burdens. One of your roles, one of our roles, whether we're a mom or not, is to link arms with other people who love Jesus and carry their burdens. Part of our burden is the battle for the next generation. We are supposed to help each other. God has provided an army. Um, I, have, I have children ranging from 25 down to lower than I thought I'd have. And, um, and I am so thankful for the people who are not related to me, who are building into my children. Uh, I just heard about um, 
A couple of my kids were at somebody's house just the other day, and they were asking them advice and, and sharing a night with them. And, and I love that. I love the fact that, that there is a large support system available if we use it, but we are not alone. I, I, I love the idea that I can utilize the people God has placed around me, and I can say, you know, would you please text my son because he's really struggling? Would you pray for my daughter because she's in this circle of friends and I'm really concerned? Would you, Jesse and, and Evan today, you know, would, you know, to pray for Jesse. He's trying to invite Evan to come to church. And then Evan prayed and accepted Jesus as his Savior. Evan called this week and talked to Jesse and said, guess what I did on Sunday? And Jesse's like, that's awesome. This is part of the support system. So God has given us an army around us. Second, second strategy, fight on your knees. If we're really going to battle for the next generation, there is nothing more important, biblically, than fighting on our knees. <clears throat> some of you, moms, grandmas, aunts, siblings, some of you have been fighting on your knees in ways we don't even know through prayer for years and years and years. And I've often wondered, where would I be if my mom hadn't been fighting on her knees for me? Where would some of us be if the godly women he had put in our lives as the army hadn't been fighting on their knees. Who knows? There's a, one of my favorite verses in Hebrews 4.16. It says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God is always waiting to give mercy and grace in our time of need. That is so comforting. I, I, I wrote this on the slide here. I, I think the greatest weapon at, our, at your disposal in the battle for the next generation is constant daily prayer. The greatest weapon. I, I, we should never underestimate the power of a praying mom or grandma. Never underestimate it because they are using the weapon that God gave them <clears throat> to do battle for the next generation. Now, we could expand that and say, well, never underestimate the, the power of a praying dad or grandfather also, but it is Mother's Day. So, never underestimate the power of a praying mom. It is amazing what God can accomplish through the prayers of one of you. And, and some of you, if we had a chance to share, some of you would share stories of how you have prayed for 42 years and you're just banging on God's door and you're just asking God to do something or, or you have seen God do something and after praying for 12 years for this kid that you thought was <laughs> never going to make it and, and look what God did and look what God is doing. The greatest weapon that God has given 
us at our disposal is, is prayer. I, I, I wrestled with this because I was thinking, well, how in the world does a mom find time to pray? Uh, I don't know. I'm not a mom. Um, but I do have one in my life. It's my wife, and I, I've wondered, how does she find time to pray? Um, and it used to be we had these routines, right? And, and so the kids grow up, and you kind of get these routines, and now we have these two other little kids that are in our family, and, and they've changed everything again, and they have things called diapers on, and they, they have things called bottles, and it kind of has thrown us back into another realm. <clears throat> well, I can only speak from what I see, but Nicole has added a, a number of creative prayer times to her life. And so she has the doing the laundry prayer time. She has the by the bed as I put them to bed at night prayer time. She has the up in the middle of the night prayer time. She still has her morning prayer time, but it looks very different because her ears are very open because inevitably, partway through, somebody is going to get up, one of the two somebodies, and they're going to want to be a part of that prayer time, which obviously makes the prayer time way more effective. <laughs> so be creative, but find time. Find time to pray because... I think the greatest weapon as we fight for the next generation is prayer. I, I really firmly believe that. It is certainly not our own talents, gifts, and abilities, but it is calling on God to intervene in situations we cannot handle. Not only has God provided us an army, not only has he provided us a weapon of prayer, but the third strategy is, remember, God is fighting for them. I love this. I love this. I love the idea that God loves the people I love more than I do. And I really love the fact that he's got a plan that's better than a plan I have. God loves our children more than we do, and he has a better plan for them than we do. <laughs> that is very comforting. Matthew 19, 14, it says uh, Jesus had a special spot in his heart for children. Uh, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. <laughs> Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. His love for children is great. He wants us to fight for the next generation. And that's not easy. It's not easy when our baby is crying and we don't know why. It's not easy when our first grader is having trouble fitting in at school and has to go to the reading support classes. It's not easy when our junior high kid is being bullied. It's not easy when we watch our high schoolers get into a circle of friends that we don't really trust or like. It's not even easy when our grown kids are making decisions that wouldn't be like we would make. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't have an amazing plan. And it certainly doesn't mean that God does not love our children. Oh, he does. 
He loves them more than we do. And his plan for our kids is much greater than ours. I, I wrote this down. I, um, if, if we want our children to trust God in their lives, we have to model our own trust for God in his plan and how he loves them. And even in those times when I doubt, moms, even in those times when you doubt and you say, where is God? You know, Johnny was at school and he's, he's and I, I'll just share an example, I guess. I just hope Nicole isn't here. Maybe she walked out. Um, but I got a call the other day at church and, oh, there she is. Um, <laughs> stink. Um, and it was from the school. And usually when we get calls from the school, it's not about honor roll. It's not about the special advanced study classes that they're really hoping our children will enroll in, especially not if it's the elementary school. And uh, so a call came, and I wasn't, I didn't get it. And somebody came and said, hey, if they call back, can they talk to you? And I said, yeah, that's fine. But they were trying to get a hold of Nicole, and I, I was in a meeting, and I said to whomever I was with, I said, ah, stink. When the elementary school calls in the middle of the day, it's usually not good. I don't, I'm not worried about safety. I'm worried about the safety of whomever it was that Jesse just interacted with. And uh, sure enough, um, it was Jesse. Uh, but he wasn't in a fight. He was just... Swallowing grapes whole, having a contest with his friend about how many grapes they could swallow, and they thought it was unsafe. <laughs> Who thinks of these things? He's just like his mother. <laughs> but anyway, in those moments... When we think, oh, man, come on. God, do you really have a better plan? Like, really? Yeah, he does. But we're trying everything we can. He's a good kid. He just wants to do backflips off the school. Just can't do that. Um, he wants to go to Pump and Pantry and buy a pizza during lunch. You can't just leave the school. They will miss you. And they will call the police. <laughs> ah. We can trust God. And you know what, moms? One of the greatest things that you can demonstrate to your children is that you have an unwavering dependence on God and you trust Him with His plan. And you trust His love for your children. Because God is fighting for the next generation, for those kids that you love so dearly. He is on your side. Sometimes it's not easy to remember, but it's true. Uh, the, the fourth strategy goes right with this. Be the adult that you want your children to grow up to be. Paul said this very well in Philippians 4, 9. He said, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, 
put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Here's what Paul was saying. He was saying, whatever you have seen me do, use my life as an example. He, he was saying to the Philippian believers, I want you to, to copy me, be like me. I am trying to be like Jesus. Watch what I do and do it. And so this fourth strategy puts some pressure on us. I, I realize that, but be the adult that we want our children to be when they grow up. Whew. Can we do that? That's, that's tough. And, and the question, I guess, that, that we need to ask is, would I be happy if my kid turned out like me? Thank you for that vote of confidence. <laughs> Would I be happy if my kid turned out like me? Would you be happy if your kid turned out like you? Like, like think about that. How are you living? Moms, you, you hold an incredible amount of power and influence in the lives of your children. They're watching you as you serve others. They're watching you as you pray. They're watching you as you study the Bible. They're watching how you respond to others. How you respond to your spouse. God is using your example, whether you like it or not. Whether you believe it or not, he is. But be encouraged that God's using you. And his love for you and his plan for you and your children will not be thwarted. But that does set the bar Kind of high. There, there's, um, as you leave today, ladies, all ladies, there's going to be chocolate out there. I told you about that. But in that chocolate, there's going to be a little card. And on that card, it says, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Some people leave a legacy in sports, in the sports field. Some people leave a legacy in the building that they give money to build and their name is on the building. Some of you may leave a legacy with the children that you raise. Some of you may not even be the mom, but the impact that you have can leave a legacy. Own that. What a neat opportunity. You want to impact a whole generation, the next generation? The greatest contribution to the kingdom of God that you leave may be someone you raise. The fifth and final strategy is uh, never give up. Never give up on, on doing the right thing. There are certainly times in our lives when, when you will hit a crossroad and you just will not know what to do. And, and you may be overwhelmed by the amazing amount of weight you have to carry in thinking about taking a two- or three-year-old to 18 or something like that. And this strategy really has to do with do the next right thing. 
You don't have to be overwhelmed. Do the next right thing. Just the next right thing. Uh, Paul, again in Galatians uh, 6 verse 9, he said, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It's hard work. Moms, I, I know, it's hard work doing the right thing. It, it, it probably never ceases to end. And, the immors- and there is enormous pressure put on moms, ladies, by our culture, by social media, by others. <clears throat> and I think sometimes there's even a, a feeling of, oh, I, I can never be perfect. I can never ma- measure up. I can never... And, and God's calling you to just do the next right thing. What does God say to do? Okay, I'm going to do that next. I can't, I can't think right now about when he's 18, when she's 18, but I can think about today. I can think about the car ride home. I can think about the next right thing. So the battle plan, five, five strategies. Use the army that God has, has given you, that support structure, amazing. Fight on your knees. Prayer, the greatest weapon God has given us. Remember that God's fighting for them. He loves them more than we do, and he has a better plan than anything you or I could ever come up with. Then be the adult we want them to be a model, an example of godliness. And, and if there's one thing in godliness that you can teach your children, teach them to be dependent on God in prayer. It will serve them well. And then fifth, never give up on doing the right thing. We're going to watch a, a video right now of a lady named Tara. And she's going to talk a little bit about being a mom and Tara's an encouragement to me, and I hope she's an encouragement to you, um, <clears throat> because God is moving her along towards godliness as she tries to do the next right thing in her life. So let, let's watch, and then I'm going to come up and wrap it up. I grew up in a Catholic household. At 14 years old, I was molested and went through a court process and everything, and that kind of turned me away from God. Then, when I was 15, my boyfriend passed away in a car accident. Um, I was there with him when he took his last breath, and when they um, claimed time of death, I swore God off. I said, I, I no more, no more. I've been hurt enough, and I turned my back. And after that, my life had a series of events. I was a runaway at 16, didn't go back to my parents until I was 18. Um, I had my first son, and I would almost mock God, I would say, you know, I believe in me. Um, I had a, a very bad car accident in 2006, and I almost died. The injuries that I sustained, most people don't come back from. I had a brain injury, and, and I came out of it, and I was out of the hospital within months, and okay, and instead of leaning on my faith and saying, God spared me, I said, I believe in, in the God of Tara. I, I believed in myself. I saved myself. I did all the work. I did this. I didn't change on that for a while. 
Then I met Amanda Moyer, who she was a nurse for caregivers at the time, and we had similar stories and similar experiences, and she opened up to me one day, and she talked to me, and she told me, she says, why don't you come to church with me? And I said, they don't want me in a church. They, the church will fall down on top of me. It will, no, it won't be a good situation. And she said, no, you, you can come and sit with Stu and I, and, and I did. And I was moved at the worship music. Then when Pastor Bob spoke, it was just, he I felt like he was speaking to me. Like, it wasn't about, you know, my past. It wasn't about the sins that I've committed. It, it's about overcoming them and getting past them and knowing Jesus already died for my sins, that I'm already forgiven. And I don't have to live in that, that, that despair. Um, and then in 2016, I had had my second son, and I asked Amanda, I said, Amanda, I think I'm ready to be baptized. I spoke with Pastor Bob, and I started doing the classes, and I got baptized, and Amanda told me, she says, be careful, watch, because now that you have accepted Christ as your Savior, the devil's going to work ten times harder because he's like, no, I want that person back, you know? And I thought, no, I got this. It's, I'm good. I'm good. I'm praying. I'm going to church, you know? But I don't think I truly understood what it meant to surrender and give your life to Christ. You know, I, I just did the, the show part of it. Um, and 10 days after I was baptized, I relapsed after five years of sobriety. After I relapsed, I thought, oh my gosh, there's no coming back from this. I'm not forgiven. I'm not, this, this didn't work. God, God wasn't with me. He didn't, he didn't help me through this. I, you know, I, he was supposed to make me strong. So when that temptation came, that it, it would be gone. And it wasn't. Um, and that was a three year relapse. And I lost everything. I lost custody of my kids. I lost myself. I lost my self-worth. And it ended up where I attempted my own suicide when it was a failed suicide attempt, I knew that was the bottom I could believe in. And I said, God, okay, I'm meant to be here. You know, I tried, but I'm meant to be here. Help me. Um, I went to rehab the next day and cleaned up. And when I got out, I haven't looked back. I see other people struggling with what I've gone through and, you know, that's what my purpose is, is to help people get through that and to let them know that there is a light, there is somebody with you, and he's waiting for you. He's been waiting for you. You just need to reach out. Ever since I did that, I haven't had a craving. I haven't had that because I feel empowered. I feel like I'm not alone in this. You know, you believe and Jesus will be there and God will be there. It doesn't matter how low you have been. It doesn't matter what your past is. Um, I now have custody of both my boys. I'm working on buying a house. I've got a full-time job. I work with those in recovery. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, person, a grateful person in long-term recovery. I have two and a half years this month. <laughs> um, and I just have a lifetime to go, and I can't wait for what God has in store for me. If somebody is struggling with addiction, with trauma from your past, 
God has never left you. He's been with you and he's going to be with you. He's waiting for you just to reach out to him. Uh, Tara's in my small group. It's been fun to watch God do whatever he's doing in her life, which is miracles. Um, but, but what she is saying, what I want to say is, is uh, moms, we love you. And we recognize that it is not easy, the job that you have. However, you are not alone. Be encouraged. Take hope. God has a plan. God loves you. And he loves your kids. We love you. We love your families, and you have a support system. God is on your side, and so are we. This song uh, is a really great song, and you're going to love it. It's called The Battle Belongs. Um, If you are feeling like you are overwhelmed, this is a great song that you can pray right through. Praying for your kids, praying for the battle, praying for their friends, praying for your friends' kids. All of us need to be doing battle for the next generation, not just moms.